morning. You know, I cannot uh, help but think how conferences have such an appeal to your heart. Amen. I have said consistently through the years that I make no apologies of going to Prescott uh, Conference and being a part of conferences. Amen. Uh, because I believe this preacher needs to keep his heart right with God. And that doesn't happen. I don't know how people stay in the ministry without putting themselves in a place where God can speak to them and challenge them and be challenged about the will of God for our lives, God to deep reach deep down to our attitudes, to speak to us about issues of money. And, uh, uh, and it made me think, you know, how could somebody go through an entire conference and miss the whole point so that their only testimony is whether they had glazed or chocolate? And uh, that, that, that's all they know about conference. And uh, beloved, I, I was thinking about this, praying about what the minister heard so many things this week. And, uh, and one of the best sermons I heard all week, and I mean, they had many, many good ones. And uh, we have brought back a DVD collection. You'll see some of those later on. Was uh, standing in line during break. I uh, ran into a, a friend of mine who gave me permission to use his name. I'd already heard this in conversation. He pastors in Springfield, Oregon. His name is Jack Gata. He's a, then you Doris would say, yeah, he's a, he's an East Coaster, an old fisherman. And I've known Jack since he was saved. And uh, somebody had told me that Jack had suffered a heart attack recently. And, uh, and so we're in line, you know, and I, and I said, Jack, I heard you had health problems. And he said, oh yeah, man, I had a heart attack. And we began to talk, and as he just began to tell me his story about his heart attack, God just began to just give me a, just a three-point sermon, and just began to just speak to me about the heart, beloved. And I want to minister this morning. Again, he gave me permission to use his name and to tell his story. I said, Jack, I don't know what it is, but God's just giving me a, a sermon to preach in our church Sunday morning. Uh, but I, I want to minister a sermon called, Listen to Your Heart. Because the Bible talks about our hearts this morning. And it draws a parallel between our physical heart and a spiritual heart that every person has. And one verse, Proverbs 4, 23. This is one of those verses that you commit to memory. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Let me, put it, let me read it to you one more time. Keep your heart. With all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. We're going to have a heart check up this morning. Father, help us. Lord, let not a man or woman walk out of this building without having taken an honest look at the condition of their heart. God, I pray, let them see the connection between where their heart is and the things that are going on in their relationships, with their money, with their health. God, speak to us this morning. We thank you, O oh God, that you're able to give us a new heart. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Let's talk about the heart condition this morning. Now, what do we mean by the heart? Now, in the Bible, your heart is the seat of your will and your emotions. The Bible teaches that it is our heart that deep down determines the course and the direction of our life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Or in other words, that every action, every word, every thought, every choice that we make began originally in our heart. 
Now, the Greek word for heart is cardia. That's where we use the word or cardiac. It's man's entire mental and moral activity, according to Vine's dictionary. Both the rational and the emotional elements. The heart is used figuratively for the hidden springs of the personal life. And the imagery is clear this morning. Just as we have a physical heart, and blood flows from that heart and is pumped to every area of our body, bringing life and health. The Bible says that this is true also with our spirit. That we have a heart inside of us. And beloved, what happens in that heart, what takes place in their heart, will reach to every area of your life. That the condition of your heart will affect the kind of worker you are on your job. It will determine the kind of husband or the kind of wife or the kind of mother or father you are. The condition of your heart will determine what kind of ministry you have and how you function in that ministry. Your heart condition will determine what you're like when you come to this church and how you interact with people, beloved. It will color your relationships. It will have a lot to say about your financial well-being. All of that is determined by the condition of your heart. There's something God says that is inside of us and what that is is like uh, will have major impact uh, on everywhere else from it spring the issues of life our scripture says keep your heart now understand that it's saying something about the human personality man has two parts to his makeup there is the inside and there's the outside when we talk about the heart we're talking about uh, the inside of a man how many know this morning you are more than what you are on the outside you have an outward appearance today you wear a certain kind of clothing uh, that says something about you you have your hair fixed uh, a certain way or your lack of hair fixed a certain way you have an outside and you have an inside. Uh, and we all know this morning uh, that you can look one way on the outside and be totally different on the inside. Can you say amen? I remember the old story that I've used here before, uh, but I tried it out of my daughter last night. And so she don't remember it. So that must be at least 12 years old. Uh, but the story goes... Uh, that there was a college professor that was invited to give a series of lectures uh, in a part of the country he'd never been to before. This man landed in a certain city and uh, he was assigned a driver who was to take him from university to university to give his lecture. After several weeks, uh, they were coming to their final uh, uh, lecture and as they're driving down the country road, uh, the driver says to the professor, you know, professor, I've heard you give the same lecture eight times already. I, I've heard it. I think I can remember every single word. The professor thought about it and said, you know what, I'm pretty tired. It's our last one. Nobody knows me or what I look like over there. Why don't we play a joke? You wear a suit and you go to the lecture and you be the professor and just recite my speech and I'll wear the clothes of the driver and, uh, and we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a good time. The, the, the driver agreed. He wore the professor's suit. Showed up at the lecture hall. Everybody greeted him. He stood up, gave up the speech exactly like the professor gave the speech. At the end, everybody cheered. Uh, he felt really good about himself uh, until one student jumped up, lifted his hand and said, excuse me, professor, but I have one question. Let's go ahead. And then the young man began to ask a very technical question about the area of expertise of the professor. 
The man is up there. He is obviously doesn't know what to do. He has no way to answer it. And so he finally says, you know what? That's a very good question. But you know what? It's also a pretty simple one. It's so simple, I'm going to ask my driver to stand up and answer the question for you. <laughs> How many know you can wear a look on the outside and be totally different on the inside? You can have the appearance, you can dress yourself up this morning, uh, amen, but understand that God cares more about your inside than He does your outside. He cares more about what you're like or the condition of your heart. And it is in the arena of the heart or the arena of the inside that God is trying to deal with. First Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So this morning, if you want to know what God is looking at, He's not really looking at uh, uh, how fashionable you are today. He's not looking at, beloved, how well you appear to people on the outside. Uh, understand that the eyes of God are, are, are centered and focused directly on your heart this morning. Sadly, there are people who only care about their outward appearance. Uh, but God is looking at something else. Uh, he knows uh, who you really are. That is why you read in the New Testament that as Jesus uh, was confronted by the religious leaders of his day, uh, the Bible says that Jesus knowing their hearts... In other words, that he wasn't fooled by their religious uh, outward appearance. He wasn't fooled by the, by the, by the clerical dress that they wore uh, or the way they acted or carried themselves. Jesus knew their hearts uh, because that is what God is interested in this morning. Uh, he's interested in who you really are deep down in your heart. Uh, the Bible says, let it be the hidden man of the heart. Uh, according to the Apostle Peter, beloved, uh, we all have a hidden man. According to the Apostle Peter, we all have an area of our life. It is our heart, beloved. There are things that are going on inside of us that nobody can see. Can you say amen? The Bible says it is the wellspring of life. I remember the old story about the city in Switzerland that had a beautiful had a beautiful lake. And it was their tourist attraction. It drew people to their city and... One day when finances got tight, the city fathers gathered together and were trying to figure out how they could cut the budget. They noticed that in their budget was included money for a stream keeper. And what this guy was, was money that they paid to a man who lived up in the mountains. And his job was simply to clear the stream that as it, as it went into the city. They decided, well, you know, we can't, uh, uh, we don't know, know this man. He only comes in once a year, collects his money. We don't even know if he's doing his job. Let's go ahead and lay the stream keeper off uh, because uh, we need to save some money. And so they put word up the hill. They no longer needed his services. They were no longer going to pay him. The only problem was as months went on, uh, they began to notice that their beautiful lake began to look different. It began to be discolored and pretty soon began to give off a foul odor. The tourists stopped coming. The city uh, was, uh, uh, be had become foul. Uh, and they quickly gathered together, uh, sent another letter up the hill. Uh, you're rehired uh, because they found out something that up there uh, in the uh, fountainhead of that stream, uh, somebody must keep it clean. And if they didn't keep it clean, uh, then downstream, uh, everything else would become foul. May I say to you this morning uh, that if you don't keep your heart right, uh, it begins to foul everything in your life. Begins to put off a foul order. Keep your heart with all diligence. Eventually, what you are in your heart will emerge. You cannot compartmentalize it forever. It is a mistake today to think that you can think or harbor things in your heart, uh, but they won't uh, change you. 
Let me say that to you again. It is a mistake for you to think that you can think or harbor things in your heart, but somehow this is not going to affect who you are or your personality or color your life. Matthew 12, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Jesus is saying, in the end, what is in your heart, for good or for bad, is going to find expression. What is in your heart, in the end, is going to come out. You know, I, I wonder this morning how many nice church people we have here today, but your heart is all wrong. There are things that are operating in your heart, but you, you know they're there, but you've kind of said, well, you know, they may be in my heart, but I'm, at least I'm not doing them. I suggest to you that if they stay in your heart, you will begin to do them. That you're not going to be able to hold back, uh, that your heart, beloved, uh, will eventually find expression and a wrong heart or a bad heart is a ticking time bomb. John 13, 2, supper being ended. The devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. These are some of the most ominous words in all the Bible. And that is that as Judas said at the Last Supper, Satan had already put into his heart to betray Jesus. Or in other words, you would have never known this on the outside. On the outside, you would have saw a man who looked just like the other disciples. You would have saw a man, beloved, that was near and seemed to be intimate with the Lord Jesus. Jesus, uh, the only thing that made Judas different, uh, what was going on in his heart. Something demonic had transpired in his heart, beloved. Uh, you could not see it with the naked eye, uh, but he was going to set him down a course, beloved, uh, that was going to lead him straight to hell. Uh, and it started uh, simply in his heart, in that hidden place uh, where nobody could see and nobody could know. Let me tell you something, beloved. Uh, a backslider is somebody who had died a long time ago in their heart. The proverb says a backslider in heart will be filled with his own way. Long before somebody leaves church, long before a Christian uh, uh, goes uh, and changes their clothes uh, and gets out their old party clothes and begins to go back to the clubs and the bars uh, and reacquaint themselves with their old party friends, uh, you can be sure something had happened in the heart. In the hidden man, something had died on the inside. Uh, and all we're looking at, beloved, uh, is the final expression of something that started months or maybe years earlier in the heart. Are you with me this morning? Let's talk about heart problems today. You need to understand something about your heart and my heart. And that is there is an inherent danger with our heart. Deep down... We are not naturally good in our hearts. Listen to the Lord Jesus. Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Those things which proceed out of your mouth come from the heart. Hey, can I stop right here for a second? If you, are, you cuss, something's wrong with your heart. Say, oh, no, it's just a bad habit. No, it's a bad heart. Amen. I throw that in. It's amazing how I've seen people even say 10 years and all of a sudden now you've introduced the word hell back into your language. Something's wrong with your heart. Let's get back to the sermon. All right. Jesus said, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and blasphemies. Jeremiah 17, I am the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You and I must be brutally honest with ourselves right here and that is that our hearts, beloved, can go bad. 
listen to me. Lock in with me. If you don't understand this, then you will, then you will not understand anything else I have to say. You and I have the potential in our hearts to go wrong. Now, let's talk about Jack Gata. I'm going to start using Jack now. Jack Gata is 58 years old. He said to me, Richard, my father died of a massive heart attack at 52. My mother died of a massive heart attack at 60. He falls into a certain demographic that the likelihood of him dying of a heart attack is extremely high. He is predisposed, in other words, towards a heart attack. That uh, beyond the issues of diet and exercise and everything else, uh, the, just the mere fact of how he was born, who was he born into, uh, the, 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 the mystery of nature and, uh, and genetics, uh, this guy is a, a heart attack waiting to happen simply because of his father and his mother and going back. Uh, and so he has to live his life uh, at this age, understanding that I am right now in an age and uh, a period of my life, uh, given the inheritance that I've received uh, uh, from my family, uh, I have to watch myself. Now, let's stop now and jump into the parallel this morning, and that is that you and I are part of the family of Adam. Amen. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Ruby, my nana's 99 years old and she runs like a Swiss watch. Well, let's, let's just go from the physical to the spiritual, beloved. We are part of the family of Adam, which means that our inheritance is, you know, we have a lot of heart attack victims in our family. I mean, if you go back generations, there have been a lot of people, beloved, that have died of wrong hearts because of sin. Can you say amen? That you and I this morning, like Jack Gata, are predisposed for our heart to go wrong. How many with me this morning? Did we make the jump? That we are predisposed, every one of us, beloved, to having or getting a bad heart. That you can't look at me and say, Pastor Ruby, I have never had an ill thought pass my heart ever before. Oh, you self-righteous person we are predisposed to this to get a wrong heart to cop an attitude to have things inside of us it is it is something that is inherited inherited or inherent in all of us a couple of thoughts here about uh, the heart one is there's the danger of not knowing your heart you know jack told me i said when did you have the heart attack because i don't know he goes i started having problems and i went in they said you had the heart attack Within 18 months. In other words, Jack's heart attack happened somewhere along the line. And he doesn't know. They cannot trace it to a specific date or a specific event. It was only later on when the problems began to get worse and worse that he went in. And they said to him, hey, you know, you had a heart attack. I have another friend of mine who's a pastor who had a heart attack and he told me the same thing. He doesn't know exactly when it happened. Uh, he thinks he might remember uh, 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 an event that might have triggered it. But the reality was, beloved, that these, uh, this man had his heart suffer without his knowledge. Listen to me right here. It is a mistake to think that if you're having heart problems that you'd automatically know it. That, that, that today you're saying, yep, there are people here. I know you're saying, you know what, Pastor Ruby, that's right, that's me, that's my heart. But there are other people here, you know what, you have spiritual heart problems, but you don't even know it. You're like Jack Gator, you're just going on with life. There are things taking place, but, but, but you don't even realize that it's your heart. 
You might blame it on something else. He told me that he thought, well, it's just, uh, I mean, I need to exercise some more. And man, I just need to do this some more. I just need to take uh, some uh, Alka-Seltzer. You know, I, I, and uh, just kind of interpret uh, the difficulties of life. It could, yeah, but it's not my heart. It couldn't possibly be my heart. Jesus wrote to the church of Laodicea because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind and naked. In other words, here's an entire church. They were in a horrible spiritual condition and Jesus said, you don't even know you are. You're not even aware of it. You're not even, you're so tuned out on the inside. You're so preoccupied with the outside. You don't even know how bad things really are. Jesus wrote it to a lukewarm church who did not even know the true condition of their heart. It's possible to walk around with a bad heart. You ever heard of walking pneumonia? Walking pneumonia means that you have pneumonia, but it hasn't inhibited you from functioning yet. It hasn't laid you flat on your back. You still walk around. You're uncomfortable. You, you have uh, problems. Uh, but because you're still able to get up and walk around, you don't know how, you don't, you don't understand the danger you're in. Beloved, this is the, 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 the problem with the heart uh, is that you can function for a while uh, and, and not even be aware of it. That is why we have an EKG and electrocardiograms and we have stethoscopes. Uh, all those things are meant uh, to allow us to focus. Let's see how your heart is doing. Let's measure this thing. Let's find out where you're really at. If you have to take a, a CAT scan or you have to uh, go under some sort of, a, of, a, of, a, of a intrusive uh, uh, operation, what they're basically saying is, let's get on the inside uh, because we can't trust what's going on on the outside. It is possible that you can become so focused on everything that's happening in your life on that word that you're no longer even paying attention to what you're like on the inside. Psalms 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Here's a man praying, God, I need you to focus on my heart. You know why he prayed it, beloved? Because if we don't pray it, we'll never do it. We'll be totally out of touch with the condition of our heart. And everything will be about circumstances and relationships and negotiating uh, situations uh, instead of stopping and saying, God, I'm going to ask you to shine your light. Uh, I want to come underneath uh, your uh, Holy Ghost CAT scan. I need you to uh, 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 a spiritual MRI. I Hook me up to your EKG. God, I am willing to honestly take a look at my heart this morning and find out where I'm really at. Number two is that there are symptoms of a bad heart. There are actually signs that something is wrong with your heart. Jack Gata told me that even though he didn't know he had a heart attack, there was definite changes. He said that he suffered a loss of energy and strength. He said that he would do things. It was going on outreach or ministering it. He found himself getting weary and tired. Told me the story of going hunting with some of the guys in the church and not being able to keep up and, and just having them to send them on their way and, and they're, they, they, you know, they, you know, they're, they're shocked because their pastor loves hunting and they, they can't understand why he just doesn't seem to be into it anymore. And he says, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, it was like there was this general weariness and complacency in me, in me. And it would vex me and I'm wondering why and I'm asking myself why, but Something was happening. Well, when he went in, 
they found out that his artery had become so clogged that the bottom half of his heart was no longer used. He was only functioning on half of his heart. The bottom half was, was not being used. Blood wasn't getting in there and it wasn't circulating and doing what it's supposed to do. And, and so as he began to do these things, he's just half-hearted. And he lost all that vigor and vitality and excitement and he couldn't understand what it was. He no longer had the drive for life that he once had. Now there's a term for this, beloved. It's called being half-hearted. Let me ask you a question right now. Do you find yourself doing things, but you no longer, your heart's no longer in them? That you, you, you're, you, you know, that your heart's not into it. You just find yourself, but you grow weary and distracted. Bored, spiritual attention to the deficit disorder. Where, you know, you, you're bored, you can't be in a music group because you just get bored. You're just tired of things, just weary. Could it be this morning that you're functioning on half a heart? The vitality and the vigor and the drive that once was there is no longer there. So that even people look at you and say, what's wrong with you? You can say amen anytime you want this morning. Half-hearted people don't give themselves to anything. Do you realize that serving God is going to require all your heart? Love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Basic lesson in Christianity is it requires your whole heart. Very interesting. You know what being anaerobic is? I'm going to help some of you runners here. We're going to have our, our, our 5K in the middle of March. And so you get the Rocky music out, man. Let's go. And, uh, but you know what being anaerobic is? Anaerobic is when people, I'm aware of the time, that when people, um, um, they, 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 they want to get in shape, but they're out of shape. They've been, they've been hanging out at Krispy Kreme rather than at Bally's. And, uh, and, and so they're like, and I'm going to get in shape. And so they're now 38, but they think they're 21. And, uh, and so they go and they get their gear on. They get, they, they get their headphones on and they're ready. And they, and they run out and they run really fast, you know, for a year. Pastor Marino's smiling because I just described him. And uh, he just, he, you're running really hard and all that. And the first time they run, I mean, they actually do pretty good. They think, you know what, that old dog still has it. But what they're actually doing is they, they call it being anaerobic. And what that means is that you begin to run and you're running purely on your strength. But your heart, is, that muscle has been neglected so long that you're not taking in the oxygen to compensate for what you're putting out. And what happens to these people is they hit a wall. They say that if you really want to get in shape, I'm going to help the one or two people here that are not. If, if, if you really want to get in shape, it says actually you have to start by running very slowly like me. And you have to run like this uh, and you've got to do this for about 10, 15 minutes. And then the next day you've got to start, you've got to do it again. And, and what you do, you've got to build your wind. You've got to begin to train your heart to bring that oxygen in. Otherwise, you're going to go out, uh, but you're going to run out of something. You're not, your heart doesn't have the capacity to bring enough oxygen in and move it through your body and you're going to hit, it'll hit a wall. Listen, beloved, what a picture of ministry and service in the kingdom that unless your heart is into it, beloved, you're going to hit a wall in ministry and then you're going to want to quit. 
You're going to have an expiration date on your on the, on the, your service to God, and you'll wonder why do I not feel like it? Why do I want to be? I just want to quit. I just want to throw in the towel because something is wrong with your heart. Jack told me he, one of the things that symptoms is he complained of a loss of feeling. He said that one of the things that he began to realize is he can no longer feel anything right here. He said he lost all feeling in this part of his body. And, and uh, realized that something went in and found out something was wrong. And let me just throw this out at you. And the scripture says that it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Here's David, the tender-hearted young man. The Bible says that as Saul is sought to pursue him, he goes into a cave to go to the restroom and not realizing David and his men are in the same cave. And David just reaches over and cuts a piece of the royal robe from Saul. Saul doesn't even know it. But the moment David did this, he's immediately convicted about his rebellion, about his disrespect. His heart is so tender that immediately uh, uh, something that the, the, the average carnal man would look at and say, no big deal. This man's heart was so tender to God that his conscience smote him and his heart troubled him. But let me tell you, when your heart's not right, uh, things don't bother you anymore. You lose feeling. A heart that's tender gets convicted and says, no, man, what am I doing? Why am I thinking like this? Their heart smites them. But oh, beloved, when there's something wrong with your heart... You can do things that intellectually you know are wrong, but yet you don't feel, I don't feel a conviction about it. I don't feel bad about it. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Sclerocardia, that's what the word means. Sclerocardia, the hardness of the heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. That every step of disobedience only resolved to make his heart more hard, more insensitive, more unwilling to be moved. Fourteen times you can read the story in the book of Exodus. Uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Uh, Fourteen different steps and choices uh, where a man said, you know what, I'm not going to be moved. God's not going to deal with me. And every step of the way, his heart had become hardened. I need to close and talk about the miracle and we're going to pray. The miracle, church, is that God can touch your heart this morning. You know, God knows that if he could change your heart, then he can change your life. Amen. He wants your heart. My son, give me your heart, the proverb says. He is the original heart surgeon. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh. Let me ask you this morning, uh, if that was, is, is that what your heart looks like today? Is your heart a heart of stone? You don't feel anymore. You're not moved anymore. God says, I can perform surgery. I can pull out the st- heart of stone uh, and I can give you a heart of flesh. Uh, what you need this morning is not just a nice church and to meet some nice Christians and to be a nice person. Uh, you need to Believe in God to reach down in the most personal and private area of your life, your heart, uh, and rip that old heart out and give you a brand new one. What's your heart like today? I didn't even have time to describe. You know, the Bible talks about different hearts. It talks about the lustful heart. If you commit adultery in your heart, Jesus said. You know what he's saying? He's saying that there are a lot of people, they may not actually go out and physically commit adultery, but their heart is filled with every kind of perversion. And God knows about it. He talks about this morning the greedy heart or the heart of covetousness. People uh, that uh, all their all their religious platitudes notwithstanding uh, their choices of life, it's all about how you can get more money. He talks about the bitter heart. The Bible talks about the root of bitterness or people that uh, you hate somebody in your heart this morning. You can say what you want, but you hate somebody in your heart and God knows about it. The Bible talks about the broken heart. 
a person this morning that has suffered so many disappointments and setbacks in life that your heart is broken to the point where you don't even want to believe or hope for anything better anymore. The good news is that God knows what kind of heart you have and He says, I can give you a new heart. I can reach down and I can change you. This is a miracle. Psalms 51, the David that at one time his heart was so tender that he repented for even the nail thought towards his leader cries out, created me a clean heart. A man who had once had a previously tender heart uh, had come to a point in his life where he said, God, my heart is so messed up. Please take my heart and clean it uh, and give me a brand new heart. Let me tell you something this morning. It is possible that at one time in your life you had a tender heart, uh, but your heart is no longer tender anymore. It's possible that at one time in your life that your heart was so sensitive before God, He could easily move you and deal with you. Uh, yet the older David has to say, God, my heart is all messed up. I'm not, my heart is no longer the heart that it once was. Jack Gator goes in. They look at him and say, we need you in the hospital within 24 hours. They rush him in. They, many of you are familiar with the procedure. They perform an angioplasty where they run a they, the miracle of modern medicine, they, they run a wire up, up into him. They go right to the area where the artery has been clogged and using a balloon, they open it up and blood begins to flow once again in the heart. They install, insert a stent to make sure that it's kept open. And the next day he's back home. You know, we forget that 30 years ago people would die from this or be open heart surgery. And within a, just a short period of time, Blood's flowing once again in his heart. And there's an instant change. Let me tell you something this morning. God can touch you in your heart and there can be an instant change. Instant change. But the story doesn't end there and I'm finishing up right here. Because with a new heart comes new responsibility. Because the reality, beloved, is that his heart went bad not just because of genetics, but he'll be the first to tell you... uh, it went bad because of the neglect of his own life. Physically, he didn't eat right, sleep right, didn't deal with things the way he should have. He was catching up to him. And he'd be the first to tell you that, you know what, I can't just blame this on my parents. I can look back and realize that there were things that I did that contributed to my heart becoming the way it became. And now that uh, they have touched me and they have opened my heart, I have responsibility not to let myself do that again. Let me tell you something this morning. You can come to an altar and say, God, you need to, you need to change my heart. But you know what? God, God will reach down. He'll touch you. But when you get up from this altar, you need to say, you know what, God? There were things that I did. There was neglect in my life. That now that I've got this new heart, I'm going to begin to do things differently. I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to realize that there were things that I did that contributed to this. That I can, I can think wisely. I can be more careful and more cautious. And if I'll do that, God will help me. Jack Gator has a new responsibility to play. If he is going to preserve his heart or keep his heart. And you're going to have to do the same thing. He says, my whole life is different now, he told me, Richard. I look at things different. I value my wife, my children, because I realize I could have lost them. His whole attitude towards his ministry, it's just something has revolutionized my life. That, that confrontation with my heart changed me. I'm going to tell you something this morning. If God can touch your heart, 
then so many areas of your life that you are so worried about this morning will begin to resolve themselves. Let's bow our heads. Our heads are bowed. No one moving about. We're going to dismiss in just a few moments. But let's be sensitive to God this morning. There are people here today. You need Jesus to touch your heart. You need Him to reach down and change you. Our aim is to look beyond the outward appearance and to focus on the hidden man of the heart of which all of us have. And God's dealing with you this morning. Jesus loves you. The prayer was, create in me a clean heart, O God. What an honest prayer. God, you know what? It doesn't matter what people think about me. I know the condition of my heart. I know where my heart is at and it's not right. And I need forgiveness. Jesus loves you. I want to speak to our visitors today. You say, Pastor Ruby, I'm not right with God. My heart isn't right. I recognize my need for forgiveness and God's mercy in my life. I want prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is you, I want you to do something right now. You recognize your need for a Savior. You understand that you're a sinner and you want to get saved. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. Put it up high where I can see it. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, pray for me. God bless you, brother. Who else? I need prayer this morning. Lift up your hand. God bless you, sis. Anybody else? These hands have gone up. God bless this hand. Are there any others? I want to give my life to Jesus. This is your moment. Anybody else? God bless this hand. Maybe you're a backslider. You were saved, but the backslider and heart is filled with his own way. And yet today, God is in his love is drawing you back to himself. Would you respond? Anybody else? I want to just give you an opportunity. Lift up your hand. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. I want to be saved. Amen. I want these that lifted your hand. Lift your hand and look at me just for a minute. I want to pray for you. Young lady, would you come right now? Don't be embarrassed. My brother over here in the back. And you also, sir, would you come? I want you to come. Make your way. These are coming. Make your way over here. There are others. You lifted your hand. I want you to come. Praise God. These counselors are going to meet with you. I'm going to ask you to kneel right at this altar. These are coming. There are still others. You lifted your hand. I want to invite you to come down and find a place to pray this morning. These are coming. Hallelujah. Mark, you help us right here. Anybody else? There's still some others. You lifted your hand. See, I want you to just come. Don't be embarrassed. Young lady over here, don't be embarrassed. I want you to come. Hallelujah. Are there any others? While our heads are bowed then, I'm going to ask you to do something today, church. I'm going to ask you to hook yourself up to a Holy Ghost EKG. And say, Lord, today, search me and know my heart. The hidden man of the heart. You know what? Our hearts can even hide from us. There are people here, you're having problems this morning. Relational problems. (laughs) Problems and attitude. People functioning on half a heart, struggling. Saying, man, how come it's the matter with me? Why am I not into this anymore? The good news is that God can touch our hearts. He can reach down, beloved, and he can begin to deal with issues. And the hope is, he says, I can pull out that old stony heart and I can install a new one. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to people here this morning. We're going to stand. Let's open these altars today. What a privilege it is to be able to answer an altar call, to be able to lay our hearts out before God and say, God, this morning I choose to focus on the inside and not the outside choose to be more concerned about the hidden man of the heart. I'm going to become the stream keeper this morning. God, I understand that if you could touch me here, this will affect the kind of husband, the kind of wife I am, the kind of mother, son or daughter, the kind of worker, what kind of ministry I have. God, please touch my heart. 
touch my heart this morning. Hallelujah. Let's sing. You touch heaven at this altar this morning. You bring words, beloved, that move God to minister and change your life. Hallelujah. Let's sing. Mm-hmm.